Come on, worshipers. Rise up. Let's sing that again. For he alone, though. For he alone is worthy. Let's sing that. He said, my eyes are ever on the Lord because he will deliver me when I'm trapped. And when you're trapped, when you're stuck, when you have something on your foot, you don't really know what it is. The most like, the, mo the thing that we naturally do is just look down. But we actually have a choice. So we can look down and try to detangle and declutter ourselves. We can lift our eyes to the Lord our deliverer, our help in times of trouble. And I feel like I'm in a room full of people that look up this morning. Is that true? Come on. That we choose, we choose to lift our eyes, we choose to lift our hands, we choose to lift our voices to our deliverer, to our savior, to our king, to our God. I've got one mile short. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? And I could sing these songs as I often do. But every song. Stand 
Can we lift our eyes and our hands right here? So I throw up my hands, praise you again. That's it. Cause all
was in awe that the Lord gave this holy king to us. So in this Advent season, let us remember that we serve a holy God who gave us a holy gift and we're forever grateful. Amen. Let's remember that night.
not too long ago I went to an art museum and I don't really go to art museums too often and it was pretty obvious because I didn't really know what to do but I remember walking through these hallways with all these paintings and I'll never forget standing next to this woman and it was so clear that the experience she was having was very different than mine see I I was reading all the words I was trying to figure out all the information but she had history already with this painting before she even got to see it she had probably you know researched she had known about these paintings and I got to witness her beholding the things she so longed to see and that's when I realized just because you're in the right room doesn't mean you're having the right experience <laughs> And you, you, you have to be in the right room, but you also have to behold, you have to lean in to see what it is that you're supposed to see. And I think Christmas is like that. I think sometimes we think we'll just go to all the Christmas events and that's Christmas. And I just think we're missing it if that's the entirety of our Christmas experience, just going to the right rooms. And this is one of the greatest lessons that I've learned from Mary, the mother of Jesus, where in a chaotic delivery room, as she gives birth to a baby with a non-doctor as her doctor, with uh, a few strangers just barging in at some point, and in the middle of all that chaos, Luke tells us that Mary chose to ponder these things, to cherish these things in our hearts. See, that's not an external event, that's him telling us about what's going on inside of Mary's heart. Mary's in the right place. She's seen all the things everyone else has seen, but she's saying, I will choose to treasure. I will choose it. And so as, as I think of us going through this next week and what we're about to walk through and all the things we'll get to experience together as a church family in our homes across all, all across the city, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you help us behold? Would you help us not just see it, but would you help us treasure it? And you know, for a few years now, this is a discipline I've been trying to put into practice and I would now commend it to you. Ask God, say, God, would you give me one moment to treasure this year? I don't wanna just walk through it again. I don't just wanna go to all the events. Would you give me one moment where I could treasure it? And I'm telling you, if you would just pray that to God, he's ready. 
He's ready to show himself. If we would simply lean in and say, I wanna treasure this. I don't just wanna see it. I want it inside my heart. I want to experience what God has for me. And that's my, that's my prayer for you this year. That whether it happens in a worship set or in a sermon, in a service, in a home, in the lobby, it doesn't matter where it happens, but that each of you would have one moment where you say, there it is. There it is, my experience of beholding the hope, the love, the peace, the joy that we remember every single Christmas. So I wanna pray for you towards that end, um, but we're also turning our attention to the giving of our tithes and offerings, why? Because this is our worship. We come to church and we're bringing an offering of worship to God, and part of that, if he has our heart, is he's also gonna have our treasure. And so let me pray towards that end. Father, Father, in the middle of the chaos, we ask, for moments where we could treasure and moments that we can ponder. For whatever it is that my brothers and sisters are gonna walk into this week, different events, I pray that this year would not be like other years, but that there would be moments where we get to experience the hope, the love, the peace, the joy, all these things that we remember that your son Jesus brought. May it never grow old in our hearts. A story we tell every year, but let it not grow old in our hearts. God, I pray that you would awaken the wonder of the story back again in our spirits. That we would sense it more and more, not just what has happened, but what is happening because what has happened. Because you came, now we have hope. Because you came, now we, our perspective is completely shifting. And so God, I pray for moments of encountering your presence for my brothers and sisters. I pray for healing, I pray for breakthrough. But Lord, we're saying we will lean in, we will behold, and we will behold your beauty, and we will spend the time in your presence together. Thank you, God, we now bring this offering. We brought to you our song, we bring to you our attention, but now we bring to you, Lord, even our treasure, our time, our talent, our treasure, we bring it everything to you. And give thanks in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's keep worshiping the Lord.
Can we say thanks to our world-class team that leads us every single week? My goodness. It is not like this everywhere you go, and I don't ever take for granted this team that we have. So thank you all for leading us so beautifully. Hey, can I introduce you to a guest of honor here today? You won't, not all of you will be able to see her, but I'm looking at her in the back row. Miss Alice Wagner is here, and she's 89 years old. And Alice Wagner, her husband Ken, was one of the head ushers around New Life for years and years before he entered his rest. She drives in every Sunday morning. Last year, she had a fall, broke a bunch of bones up here and had surgeries, her wrist, her collarbone. And, and she's here. she was here at eight o'clock this morning sitting back there by herself. Give it up for Miss Alice Wagner. We love you, Alice. We bless you. Somebody buy that girl some ice cream after church, all right? I want to be like you when I'm 89 years old. So welcome to church today. Thanks for coming. I'm Daniel Grothy, and I'll be speaking today. But before I open the scriptures, take 45 seconds, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, be kind to each other in Jesus' name. One, two, three, be nice. Good morning, New Life North. It's so good to see you. My name is Callie. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, my name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to say hello. Yes, now grab your Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pen. It's time to lean in for a powerful message. Well, good morning. Grab your seats. Grab your seats. Um, next week, one quick announcement. One week from today is the 24th. It's Christmas Eve. And we'll be having three services here on Christmas Eve. Noon, two, and four. Say noon, two, and four. All right, so just mark your calendar. Come, bring your people. I was reading a stat actually this week that 86% of people who go to church for the first time go because a friend invited them. And next Sunday will be the easiest invite you could give all year long. We'll have world-class music, an orchestra here on the stage. There's gonna be beautiful lights and children singing, the whole story. So bring your friends, noon, two, and four next week. We'll see you for our Christmas Eve services. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We're in our third week of Advent leading up to the great Christmas day. And I'm going to read you one of our great Advent texts leading up to the birth of Jesus. And so what I'll do is I'll read you the first uh, 10 verses, Luke 1, 11 through 20. I'll read you those 10 verses and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 1. It says, then... An angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, the old man. He was standing at the right side of the altar of incense in the temple. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John, who we know as John the Baptist. And he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of little John's birth, for 
He will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will never take wine or any other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. This one is marked. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of the old prophet Elijah and John will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous John will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah, the old man, asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Isn't that interesting? He called himself old, but she's just well along in years, you know, 39 perpetually, right? And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. How can I be sure of this? It was a little name drop here, kind of a flex. I'm Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you, Zechariah, will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this thing happens, because you what? Did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. This is the word of the Lord. All God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We have taken the time, we have uncluttered our schedules, we have set aside our lives, we are here. Alice got up early and she drove in early, she's here, we are here, we want to hear from heaven. And so we say, speak to us, Lord, we're listening. Would you open our hearts, would you open our eyes, would you open our minds, would you soften our spirits, would you make us receptive to the word of God, would you transform us through your word? We pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Christmas. Christmas, the time of year where we're all supposed to be just happy. Like there's this cultural expectation we can somehow just magically hit a reset button and just be happy and everything is working. Like we're supposed to act like everything's working even if it's not. And, and I'm still waiting for someone to come and put a Lexus in my living room and put a red bow around it. Like you've seen the commercial, like we have this, hey, Christine, I know you're, you're ready for that, right? Like happy, be happy, it's Christmas, woo! But what if you're not happy? What if life has been difficult? What if you're in a stretch where you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death? And and here's what I love about the Bible. The Bible is honest about the human condition. The Bible does not airbrush and and clean things up and make it, you know, unnecessarily tidy. The Bible just tells the truth of the human condition. And today we read this story about the priest Zechariah, and we'll talk about a couple other characters here in a minute. But it takes us and it drops us right into the reality of Zechariah's concerns. What are those concerns that Zechariah is carrying? He says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Well, why would Zechariah be afraid and why is he praying? What's broken his heart? What are the concerns that Zechariah is carrying? First, he's got these psychological concerns. He's longing for his wife to be okay. She's a woman well advanced in years and he's an old man and their bodies have broken down and they didn't have the one thing that they had longed for and one, the one thing that that society expected of Elizabeth to have which was a child. 
preferably a son, a son who could keep the family story going. Now we look back at that and we go, oh, bless their hearts. But those were the moments that they were living in. They expected women to deliver children, to keep the family business going and to keep the family name going. And they're old and their bodies are broken down and their stories are coming to an end. And Zechariah, you know his psychology is off. His mind is, is hurting, his heart is aching for his wife. Is she gonna break? Is Elizabeth going to make it? Can she keep going? The disappointment. There's also economical concerns that he's carrying at this moment because who's going to take care of us? Now, in this society, we, we, we kind of don't think about it like this, but we ought to. Why? Honor thy father and mother. What happens is parents have children, and the children start weak, and the parents start strong. And so the parents give their strength to their weak children, and they rise up, and then the parents grow weak, and the strong children take care of their parents into their rest. This is how it ought to be. Yes. Your kid's sitting right next to you. Listen to your dad. All right, baby? Come on. Tighten up. No, I'm just kidding. He's a teenager. Leave him alone. Flag that for about 50 years from now. And here they are at the end of their lives and they don't have anyone coming behind them to take care of them. Who's going to pay our bills? Who's going to put us up in their house? Who's going to feed us? We don't have retirement. There's no pension fund. Back. Like who's going to take care of They have economic concerns. They also have family legacy concerns. I'll never forget having our final child, our, our second son. We had a girl and then we had two boys. And when my first son was born, Wilson, my dad was in the hospital with us that day. And that was the first time in over 100 years that three growthy men, three generations of growthy men were alive at the same time. He never knew his grandpa. His dad never knew his grandpa. His grandpa never knew his grandpa. And we had Wilson, our firstborn son, and my dad was there in the hospital and we kind of had a moment. Our allergies were acting up, you know? Because there's three generations of growth. And like, I, I kind of had this sense after our second son was born, like maybe we've got a shot at the growthy name continuing. I'm the only son and if it was gonna be, it was up to me. Right, good job, Lisa. Um, <laughs> he's worried about his family name stopping. He had been passed on this great inheritance, this great legacy, and now it's, it, it's going to end on his watch. Like the family name is descending into nothingness. And we just kind of read this. and Don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. And we race on and we ask what time is lunch. But we've got to say the Bible tells the human story unapologetically. Zechariah, don't be afraid because your prayers have been heard. We know your heart is broken and we know Elizabeth's heart is broken. God says to these old people, when it looks like their story is coming to its end, God says, it is not coming to its end. And I will carry you forward and I will be your provider and you just watch me. Even though it doesn't look right, you watch me and I'm going to sort this thing out. What I love about this season of Advent is Advent is a time where we get to tell the truth about life. I wanna show you a picture here of a little Syrian girl. It's gonna come up on the screen and this was five years ago and a journalist, my friend Glenn Powell wrote this out. A journalist asked this Syrian girl to smile and Glenn said hers is the face of Advent. 
The face of promises not yet kept, of hope not yet realized. She knows the deep pain of the world up close and personal, yet she is trying. She's trying to keep it together. She's trying to not give up completely. She's trying to hold on. And this is why we need a season like Advent, because we need to honestly acknowledge the pain of the world before we start celebrating anything. And the Western church is in danger of softening Advent to the point that it's merely an early part of the great Christmas festival. But there is no need to avoid the truth about our world and what we're de- we've devastatingly done to it. We have a place to take that suffering. We have a place to take our own part in contributing to that suffering. In Advent, we take our suffering to God. And we trust that something will be done. And my friend Glenn says to the American church, Wait, do Advent. Zechariah gets to tell the truth in the presence of God. God comes to Zechariah in his anguish and in his grief and in his sadness. I'll just say Advent is a time to remember that God has compassion for the place of our greatest travail. Advent is a time to remember that God hears our cries and he responds with salvation. But the angel comes to Zechariah and gives him good news. I want you to see this. He says, your prayer has been heard. And I just want all of you to look at that right now on the screen. And I want you to hear that deep in your spirit. Because I know some of you are laying your head on the pillow at night. And you're thinking about where life has broken down. You're laying your head on the pillow at night and you're worried about a prodigal child who was doing fine when you sent him off to college, but here they are four years later and it seems like the story's unraveling. Some of you are worried about the future economically and I just, I want you to hear today, your prayer has been heard. And isn't that good news that God is listening? And then he says to Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness. I've been saying that to myself all week long because I know you think that everything, like there are things that I carry, concerns that I carry, worries that I have. And I've been telling myself all week, Daniel, your prayer has been heard. Daniel, you will have joy and gladness. Daniel, God has not left you. God is with you. God is going, you will have joy and gladness. Friends, we need to remind ourselves of the truth of God's word. But here's the thing, we can either believe or not. There's, there's really two kinds of people in the, in, in, in the presence of God, those who believe his word and those who don't believe his word. It's, a, it's an issue of belief. And Zechariah, he wavered and it says, and now you, Zechariah, will be silent and you won't be able to speak until the day this happens. God put the mute button on him. <laughs> the old man, he, here's the irony. He's a priest standing at the altar of incense. He's an old man. He's seen the faithfulness of the Lord in so many different cases. He has studied Torah. He's memorized it. He's doing his work. But the man of God who's living in the presence of God cannot believe that God's actually going to deliver. And so God puts him on mute. Why does God do that? Because what happens is we end up contaminating the people around us with our lack of faith. I have been so, there have been times where I've been so chippy and God is trying to speak to me. I've heard your prayer and you will have joy and gladness and I'm just pointing out all the things to God that he hasn't yet delivered on and I'm cantankerous and I'm chippy and I'm frustrated and I'm, and sometimes, have you ever felt like God just put you on mute? 
He's done it to me. And why does he do it? Because he doesn't want me to ruin Lisa's faith. He doesn't want me to ruin my children's faith. And sometimes God will just say, okay, if you don't want to believe me, that's fine. I'm going to get it done, but you shut up. You be quiet for just a little bit and you watch me go to work. I'm waiting for you to partner with me, but if you're not gonna partner with me, I'll get it done without you, but I'm gonna silence you for just a little bit. And so I'll just say to you, be careful to not contaminate someone else's faith with your journey with God. And so Zechariah, who ought to be able to trust God, he gets put on mute for just a little bit. God needs us to shut up to keep us from spewing negativity onto everybody else. God would rather partner. Some of you are like, go ahead and put my family member on mute. Amen. <laughs> Someone's getting an elbow in the ribs, you know. Shh. God would rather partner with us, but he's going to get his work of salvation done even in spite of us. The second character that I want you to see is young Mary. We were helped to have this Beautiful imagination, Pastor Eddie talking about Mary that night and Jen talking about that holy night. And Mary gets this word from the same angel. The angel leaves Zechariah and goes to the young woman. So picture this dichotomy here. The old man of God who ought to be able to trust God doesn't. Gabriel zips over here and finds a teenage woman in a patriarchal society. She's tucked away. Nobody really knows Mary in this story and what's she doing getting a visitation from the angel. And the angel comes and speaks to this young woman who should be faithless. She ought to be rattled, but she's this one who's strong. Give it to the women to do the work, right? And Mary takes this word from God and she races forward in boldness. You see the story here in Luke 1, verse 30. It says, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. It goes on, verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and we will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he, your child, will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. Now I want you to see this. God is not afraid of our questions. Because Mary says, how will this be since I'm only a virgin? You're talking to me about a baby. Okay, I'm all ears. And you say, I'm going to conceive and I'm going to give birth and all that. How can this be since I'm only a virgin? I'll say to you, God is not afraid of our questions, period. You can bring your questions into the presence of God. But Zechariah had questions and Mary had questions. He had questions from a place of disappointment with God. He had questions from a place of doubt. And she had questions from a place of faithful curiosity. How can this be? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive, she who was barren is already in her sixth month. Why? For no word from God will ever fail. <laughs> no word from God will ever fail. And I love Mary's response. In all of the question, in all of the curiosity, in all of the head scratching, I, I just don't understand what you're doing. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
And then the angel of the Lord left her. We've got the old man who's lived in the presence of God who is full of doubt and he's cantankerous and he's chippy and he's disappointed to the place of wanting to quit. He, he ought to be able to trust and we've got this young virgin girl who, who doesn't have a ton of history with God but she says, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me according to your word. And let me just say to you, if you don't know how to pray, take the words of Mary and start there. Read the Bible, and it says, never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. And you say like Mary, be it unto me according to your word. You open the scriptures, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard you. And you go... Be it unto me according to your word. Lord, I'm anxious, and Lord, I'm afraid, and Lord, I have questions, but I'm your servant, and do whatever you want with me. Friends, take the words of Mary on your lips. It's an intro to prayer right there. We have two options. We can be doubting Zechariah, or we can be faithful Mary, and I know which one I want to be. Be it unto me according to your word. Whatever you want to do, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever is in your heart, Lord, I'm game. Whatever you want me to press into, Lord, just say the word and I'll follow you as best I can. I'm your servant. Be it unto me according to your word. The question that this text makes us ask is, in spite of all that you see, will you still believe that God is working salvation? In spite of all that you see, will you still believe? In spite of what's right in front of you, will you believe in God's salvation? In spite of what the economists are saying, will you believe that provision is coming? In spite of what the, what the, the ledger says, will you still believe that God is going to end you up in the black and that your life is not going to wither away into the red? You're going to be okay. There's a reason why we call it the life of faith, not the life of certainty. Be it unto me according to your word. The third character that I want you to see, the, the third story that I want us to jump into is the story of Elizabeth. And Mary, the young woman, hears this word and jumps up and begins to move and travel to her cousin's house. It says in Luke 1, 39, at that time Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home. He's on mute. She entered the priest's home. He ought to be crushing it right now. It's a busy time of year. He ought to be in the house of God doing his work. He had to take a medical leave because he, he's not, he's, bing. he walked into Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And Zechariah's going, bing. when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the old woman Elizabeth, who was barren, her story was coming to an end. She and her husband had no power to make it happen. And they, they, when she heard Mary's greeting, John the Baptist, the baby leaped in her womb. Boom. 
And Elizabeth in that moment was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like pay attention, just amazing. Mary is just barely gestating the the son of the living God. She had just gotten this news. She had just conceived. She probably wasn't even showing. She had traveled many, many miles to go to her cousin's house. And at the very sound of Mary's voice, there's Jesus in there. Mary's voice comes and Elizabeth hears Mary's voice and John the Baptist, her baby. It goes from Jesus through Mary's voice into Elizabeth's ears, into her womb. And John the Baptist does a backflip. Why? Because when Jesus shows up, something jumps. Even in utero, he's doling out the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who has what? Believed. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Notice Elizabeth had a future gestating inside of her, and Mary walks in, and the very future himself, Jesus Christ is gestating inside of Mary, and, and, and game recognizes game. John the Baptist hears the voice of the son of the living God through the mothers, and boom, the Holy Spirit is poured out in that room with two vulnerable women and their two gestating children. I, just God is working even when you can't see it. Jesus is in the room even when you can't see it. The voice of Jesus is thundering even when it feels like it's coming through someone else's voice and it's kind of secondhand connection. Like if you will just tap into the presence and the power of Jesus, you will find him in whatever circumstances you are facing. Jesus is in the room, but I'll say it this way. Notice that Jesus was there that day with Elizabeth, but she couldn't see him. Jesus was there that day with the old woman, Elizabeth, but he was tucked behind the uterine wall. He was buried. You couldn't see Jesus, but he's there. And I'll just say to you, many of you are living in a season where it doesn't look like Jesus is around, where it seems like he's abandoned you, where it feels like you're all alone. I'm, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is there. Even when you can't see it, Jesus is there. I'll say it this way. The presence of God is so often imperceptible. The work of God is so often invisible, but never forget that he's always working. I promise you, and and, and I I challenge you today. You're in those difficult moments. I I challenge you to just say, Jesus, I, I don't know where you are, but I believe you're here. Jesus, I believe that you're here. Let me hear your voice. Let me feel your spirit. Jesus, I am doing everything I can. I trust you. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would get done what he said he would get done. This is so uh, so often how I experience my life. There's something in me that I want to trust that Jesus is there, but I can't see him. Something wants to believe that Jesus is on the move, but I just can't feel him. And this story, like I said, takes us right into the depth of human complexity and fear. And it makes me think of my friend Vinson, who's here, and I'll call Vinson up in just a minute, but Vinson was born in Sudan. 
And his dad was one of the few lost boys of Sudan who was able to escape the civil war. Now, historians will tell us that in that time, the, maybe the 80s and 90s, up to two million people were slaughtered. The genocide in Sudan, a civil war broke out. And the lost boys are these boys who fled barefooted, on foot, and they ran away out into the jungles just to, just to stay alive. And once the war died down, they were able to come back for just a brief time. And Vincent is a son of one of the lost boys of Sudan. And Vincent was born there and raised in the Civil War. In fact, Vincent, when he was five years old, had to flee from Sudan like his dad. And he crossed the border over into Egypt. Does anybody else know a story of a little boy who had to cross the border into Egypt? Like Jesus, son of God who was caught in a civil war. Vincent crossed the border over into Egypt and he lived in an Egyptian refugee camp for four years, from five to nine years old. And Vincent, I want you to grab the microphone and come on up here, because some of you, you just need to meet this guy. He's one of the best things that's happened to us at New Life Church in the last couple of years. We hired him on our team. Give it up for Vincent Chapman. So Vincent, you, we're in the refugee camps in Egypt. What do you remember about that? Um, I, I remember it being a safe place. Um, you know, Sudan, it was just war, civil war. 40, the better part of the past 40 years has just been war and death and chaos, you know? And uh, the refugee camp was just uh, safety uh, for the first time <laughs> in my life, you know, even though we were in tents and stuff, so. You told me, you said, at that age, I got really good at making family. Why? Because you had to. Yeah, yeah. I, I always joke around. If you know me, you know I've always got a smile on my face. Uh, pretty extroverted. Um, but that came alive during that time at the refugee camp because I figured if I'm nice to people, then I could probably get some food to get on to the next day. Um, yeah, so. You said I became an extrovert in the refugee camp. Yeah. Is that what you, that's what you told me. Yeah. You didn't know your birth mother? Tell us about that. No, um, and that's similar to a lot of Sudanese children. Um, you know, par parents are separated. Um, I don't know if my dad knew his family. Um, I never met my birth mother. And so, yeah. Like, can we just slow down and go, what? Advent is the time where we can say things like that mm. in the presence of God. I never knew my birth mother. And God is not the God who races on past that detail. Fine, suck it up. No, he's the God who goes, he grieves with us. He weeps with us. Yeah. He's the God who feels our pain. He's the God who moves into the story to become the refugee that goes into Egypt with yeah. us. Vincent, you, you told me that your dad was taken by Catholic charities and was able to immigrate to Syracuse, New York, right? Yeah. He went yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, five years before he came to the States. So you were by yourself in the refugee camp. You didn't know your mom. Your dad was in Syracuse, New York. And then finally Catholic Charities came to you five mm -hmm. years later. Yeah. Tell us that story. Um, Catholic Charities connected somehow in Egypt, connected me back with my dad. And we, yeah, snowy, snowy, just May, March 31st, 2004, four feet of snow. I was just in the desert, you know, and I came and ran up, 
hug my dad at his apartment. So Show us that picture that we have of young Benson who just kind of gotten to the United States. Do we have that picture? Just gotten to Syracuse. Apparently there was water. Okay, so you reconnect with your dad. You want the story to be just elation, like we, we just locked in and it was the best reunion ever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. But it wasn't. Um, yeah, my dad, I was with him for about a year and up until this point, every family situation I'd been a part of was just filled with abuse or you know, the people that were supposed to take care of me and love me would end up abandoning me. And my dad, you know, for five years, that's the one thing that I was holding on to was seeing him again at some point. But after a year, um, he just, just an angry man, you know, and ended up trying to kill me. Um, he chased you with a knife. Now think about a man who grew up only, he only grew up with war in Sudan. And after just taking that into his psyche for so many years, no counseling, no help. No. What happens? Violence, darkness gets in, the ache gets in you. And so you show up in New York and he doesn't know how to take care of a son and he hadn't seen you in five years, so he chases you with a knife. Yeah. And you run away and you go to a gas station mm-hmm. and you hide until you're safe and then you come out of the gas station and you sit on the curb at the gas station and a police officer comes up to you. Yeah police officer came, um, it was a 7-Eleven, and he came and just asked me what I was doing there, and I was like, I, I don't know where else to go, um, and this is the only place that I know that people are at, and I've seen police officers at this place, so it seemed like the right place to go, um, and he took me and took me to foster care. Right so, so you get into foster care, and this mm-hmm. family, you've been with them four or five months, tell us about this seminal moment in your, in, in your life in the foster home. Yeah, so moving with this family in Syracuse, New York. They had two kids, um, great family, and you know, I'm nine years old. All I've known is pain and chaos and death, and people who are supposed to be taking care of you ended up ending up turning on you. And I'm anticipating that this is gonna also happen with this foster family. Um, two months goes by. They're super nice. They're inviting me to all the birthday parties, gifts, just being super kind. Three months, four months finally comes by and I go to my foster mom, Danya, and I'm like, hey, uh, broken English, trying to explain and like just describe what love is because I've never experienced it. Like what is, what is this that you're doing and why are you treating me this way? Like it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and she said, I've been waiting for you to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Get in the car. She takes me, we go to Barnes and Noble and she gets a kid's Bible and in the back of Barnes and Noble, um, she just started reading the gospel story. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son for us. And I don't know, like Mary or Elizabeth, something in me leapt, you know, Uh. it just, a moment before, all I'd known was chaos Mm. and pain and, you know, the uncertainty of my future. But in that moment, after she just shared that gospel story, something in my heart just changed. And I was like, I, whatever that is, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. He received Jesus in Barnes and Noble. (laughs) What I want to say to you today, friends, 
Some of you are thinking about your own experience and the betrayal and the fear and the heartache. And I want to say to you today, you will have joy and gladness. Mm-hmm. I want to say to you today, your prayer has been heard yeah. in heaven. I want to say to you today, it may look like Jesus is not there. He may be tucked away, but something today, I just sense that as Vincent is sharing his testimony, his story of God's faithfulness, that something in you is leaping today. And so what we want to do is pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand up right now as the band comes. And I wanted you to hear this testimony because this man has spiritual authority to tell us this story in a way that none of us have today. So could one more time, could you give it up for Vincent Chapman here? Vincent, love you. I want to take some time and read you through these sentences. And I want you to close your eyes and open your hands. And I want you to open your ears. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears today. I want you to hear what Zechariah heard. I want you to hear what Mary heard. I want you to hear and experience what Elizabeth heard. So the first verse that I want you to hear is this verse. Do not be afraid. And put your name in there. Do not be afraid, Michelle. Do not be afraid, Tom. Do not be afraid, Rachel. Do not be afraid, Sarah. Do not be afraid for your prayer has been heard. Now, can you just respond to heaven right now and say, thank you, Lord, for hearing my cry. Thank you that you know. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you're listening. Do not be afraid, church, for your prayer has been heard. Second verse I want you to hear, and I really want you to receive this by faith. You will have joy and gladness. You will have joy and gladness. This is not the moment where your story falls apart. The enemy wants to lie to you and say, it's always going to be this way and you'll never overcome this. And I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I say to you the truth, that with this God, you will have joy and you will have gladness. Next verse that I want you to hear is what Mary heard. Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Church, you have found favor with God. God knows you. God cares. His heart is tender toward you. God is determined to work on your behalf. You have found favor with God. The next thing that I want you to hear is that no word from God will ever fail. What does God say about that prodigal child? That is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. That is my daughter whom I love. And I say to you today, no no word from God will ever fail. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He says, I'll be your provider. I'll lead you through the wilderness and I'll bring you to the promised land. And church today, hear it. No word from God will ever fail. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would release faith in this room. I pray that you would release courage in this room. I I know in my spirit I'm supposed to rebuke hopelessness. 
What happens is the hits keep coming and the hits keep coming and the enemy says, this is it. it, you're on your own. And in Jesus' name, I say to you, God is with you and you're going to make it. So we rebuke hopelessness today. I cast out fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the peace of God is settling on your church today. Thank you for the way you got Vincent through, Lord. I just want to thank you for this man of God. Can we all just thank God for Vincent, Lord? We, we thank you for the salvation that you've shown right here in front of us. He's a living miracle. He's a witness to us. And Lord, I pray that there would be many more testimonies that come from this congregation. When I thought I was on the brink, God broke through and he saved me. So Lord, I speak salvation in this room. Last thing I want us to do is just to begin to call on the name of Jesus. When you don't know how to pray, say his name. Jesus. 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 The one who was and is and is to come. Jesus. The scripture says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Jesus, we turn our hearts to you. We come home to you. We we long for you today, Jesus. And so, Lord, over this congregation, I pray that you'd pour out your spirit today and cause something to leap in all of our spirits, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We're going to have our communion servers come forward. And as they're coming forward, some of you are new with us. What we do is we move through the room. We get our communion elements as we worship the Lord and go back to our seats and hold them there. If you're physically not able to move through the room, tap your neighbor. They'll bring you something. But we're going to sing this song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that's who you are. So let's worship the Lord together. Come and receive your communion elements. I'll be back in just a minute to lead you through. Darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are. 
open your communion elements and be ready to receive. We're going to sing the bridge here in a minute. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. But as we come to the table of the Lord, I just see young Vincent in an Egyptian refugee camp. And he said, you see this smile, I go from tent to tent. And if I'd make friends that day, I'd get my daily bread. And I just had the sense to tell you that God is determined to give you your daily bread. He is going to feed you. He is going to lead you through. You are not going to lack anything. And every time we come to the table, we go, he's done it again. He's given us this day our daily bread. He's given us our salvation. God is with us. And so Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He said, you're not going to be hungry with me at the helm. <laughs> this is my body. And it's broken for you. And as often as you do this, you remember me. Remember me. I'm going to take care of you. So friends, today, by faith, would you receive the provision of God? Would you receive the salvation of God? Jesus is for you. Let's eat up. What else do we need? We need a new day. We need redemption. We need forgiveness. We need courage. We need, we need a clean conscience. And Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. You are forgiven. And every time you drink this, you remember me. Friends today, God is for you and we are forgiven. Let's drink up. Come on, let's press in one more time before we leave. You never stop. Come on, church. the blessing. Our prayer team is going to come down and if any of you need any prayer before you leave, swing forward. We would love to agree with you. But as you go, I pray today 
joy. The joy of the Lord to be your strength. Endurance, courage, and faith. No word from God is ever gonna fail on your behalf. So I pray may the Lord our God bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom, his peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? Okay, if you're new, we would love to meet you at Connect Central in the lobby and see you next Sunday for Christmas Eve at noon, two and four. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.